going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 234 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we will be going over the third and final part of our wide receiver rankings. You can check out the first two episodes on this podcast feed where we go over the first 50 or so wide receivers in our rankings. We've also done two dedicated episodes on the running back position, an episode on the quarterback position, and we will be finishing things off with tight end next week. So at this point in the rankings, rather than just going player by player, I figured we would highlight some of the interesting spots, and I wanted to start off with the Packers wide receivers, who are both a little bit lower than consensus on, I think that's fair to say. Alan Lazard going as the wide receiver 39, Christian Watson, the wide receiver 54, and we're lower on both of those guys, uh, respectively, at, at their current prices. Yeah, I've Lazard about 10 spots below ADP, and personally, I just believe that He's not that good of a football player. We already dedicated like a whole conversation to Lazard, which you could find on this podcast feed from a couple episodes ago, or you can go on the YouTube channel where the clip is up of us talking about Lazard. You know, you pretty much described it perfectly. He's a run blocking wide receiver that isn't going to run a ton of routes, most likely on an offense that is going to run the ball a lot, in our opinions. So for that reason, I'm a little bit lower on Lazard than consensus, but I will say you are kind of, you are kind of disrespecting him for your ranking. What did I do? For the people out out there and listening, uh, Ben has Lazard ranked as his wide receiver 69 his ADP is wide (laughs) receiver 39. Like, come on. That, that's just too low. Bro, you gotta take a stand sometime. And this is a stand that I feel very comfortable taking. Lazard, I I even said it, I think, on the clip that you were referencing, you know, has no business being drafted any higher than any of the other Packers wide receivers. I think that Christian Watson, just because of, you know, the unknown, at least has some sort of untapped upside that we haven't seen. But I've seen enough from Alan Lazard to feel like, I don't think he's going to elevate with the departure of Devontae Adams. His touchdown rate last year was insane. He was catching a touchdown on 20% of his receptions for a player that had 40 catches. There's just absolutely no shot that sustains. I think Sammy Watkins could be a better straight up addition to this offense than Alan Lazard. Watkins is going outside of the top 75. So really, I mean, yeah, it's crazy, you know, relative to consensus to have Lazard there. But just from a perspective of like the player's that are going in that range i really don't think it's that crazy like that's the range that guys like marvin jones and and dj chark are going in and i could absolutely see them having comparable end of season stat lines to alan lazard yeah i mean it makes sense from a theory perspective but from a you know real life nfl perspective he's finishing as a top 50 wide receiver if he stays healthy there's just no way he finishes that low barring an injury like he's still going to be out there this is still an Aaron Rodgers led offense he's probably going to score touchdowns this year Sammy Watkins career bust 
don't think we can rely on Sammy fucking Watkins. Christian Watson, obviously, like you said, kind of has that untapped upside potentially, but he's still a rookie wide receiver. And if there's one team where the rookies just aren't going to play that much, it's the Green Bay Packers. So other than that, like Alan Lazard is the guy on the offense that has the best connection with Rodgers and Rodgers will definitely look to him. So if he stays healthy, he's finishing as a top 50, top 40 wide receiver. But personally, I just think on a game by game basis, his ceiling is relatively low. He averaged 10 points per game last year. You know, let's say that goes up to 12 or 13 without Devontae Adams. I'm still comfortable fading him. And he finished as the wide receiver 47 last year. I I think that he is a fade, but to play the other side, you are out of line with your ranking on Lazard. It it makes zero sense to me personally. Listen, they brought in John Brown for a workout this week. This man could be losing his job any day now. See, now when you're bringing up John Brown and Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson and Randall Cobb to to help your arguments. That that's when you lost me. I mean, is 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 Lazard better than any of those guys? Like truthfully, I mean, probably honestly. All right, another interesting sort of tier I think of receivers right now in drafts is this group of guys that are absolutely consistent with questionable upsides I think and I'm, I'm just sort of curious about how you're handling them in drafts where you have them ranked relative to their ADPs guys like Jamison Crowder, Jarvis Landry, Tim Patrick, Jacoby Myers, you know, these are guys who go around the 11th, 12th round, definitely consistent, especially in PPR, but you are maybe sacrificing some potential upside by taking these guys with higher floors, lower ceilings. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely sacrificing ceiling with some of these guys like Jarvis Landry, Jacoby Myers, Tim Patrick, Tyler Boyd, etc. Personally, how I like to draft this tier is you know obviously based on site is it DraftKings or drafters where it's full ppr if it's full ppr then you know guys like jacoby myers and and jarvis landry get boosted up if it's underdog where it's half ppr and the catches aren't weighted as much i'll try and target some guys that could have some spike weeks due to touchdowns so like tim patrick kenny galladay etc i think also a lot of it depends on your stacks these are just guys that i would target if i had their quarterback for sure but other than that i i kind of do tend to stay out of this range of wide receiver just because i am prioritizing ceiling when i'm drafting and these guys in my opinion just don't have that high of ceilings but they will be a consistent PPR option and I I definitely think that these guys get boosted up on the full PPR sites for sure so I don't mind like Jarvis Landry and Jacoby Myers like Landry specifically he's going as the wide receiver 60 on underdog I have him ranked as the wide receiver 53 so like I'm seven spots higher on Jarvis Landry just because you know he's he's the classic ADP beater at wide receiver And, and same thing with Jacoby Myers Like, these guys are just going to finish above where they're getting drafted. They're probably going to stay healthy and catch a good amount of balls. But are they ever going to give you 25-point games, 30-point games? Probably not. Hey, I mean, depending on how this Michael Thomas situation plays out, Jarvis Landry could be one of the best picks in fantasy right now. Yeah, I mean, Saints 
beat reporters are expecting Michael Thomas to come off the pup list sometime before the season starts. So the expectation is he should be ready to go for week one. And then they'll obviously have, you know, a pretty solid trio and MT Landry and Olave, but you know, it's still Michael Thomas. He still has a lot of question marks around him. And yeah, if Thomas were to miss, I mean, Jarvis Landry, he's been a target earner in his career. Just in in full PPR, he's he's probably a smash pick at at wide receiver uh, sixty. Yep, I agree. And and the other thing that I want to say, we touched on this a little bit yesterday with some higher price guys, but like this is the perfect tier in my opinion to try and mix in with those high risk, high ceiling players, guys like Michael Thomas, guys like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, guys who are going to miss time and and you can plug these guys in to help you get by those periods, you know, Jamison Williams, Michael Gallup, guys that I've drafted a lot of. And I think that these are the perfect sort of band-aids to get you through the periods of the season they'll miss. And, And that's really what I use this tier for from a roster construction standpoint. Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, these are guys that are going to make your lineup multiple times throughout the year maybe four five six times which I think is still pretty valuable especially when uh the top guys that you draft inevitably have bad games so yep uh Jacoby Myers was a key piece of my best ball winning tournament team last year despite him really only having the, the one touchdown all year he was still getting there just off the receptions on a full PPR site to get you through the weeks where your stars were you know, struggling. So I, I definitely think that these guys are worth taking even in large field yeah. tournaments. All right. Next subject of conversation. I want you to give me your thoughts on a wide receiver that we haven't talked about at all on this podcast. You know, a lot of these conversations we've had in different ways, shapes, or forms, but is there anybody that we just haven't, you know, given our thoughts on that you want to bring up here? Yeah, I think the one wide receiver that I would be higher on than most is Marvin Jones. Mm. And I'm 10 spots higher than the consensus. I'm Marvin Jones. He's going as the wide receiver 71 on underdog right now. I have him as the wide receiver 61. And I, I just think that he's being kind of knocked for the Jacksonville Jaguars additions. And obviously Christian Kirk is an upgrade on you know what they had last year. But other than that, they added like Evan Ingram, career scrub, Zay Jones, career scrub. They still have LaVisca Chenault, career scrub. So I think that there's still going to be opportunity for Marvin Jones in that Jacksonville Jaguars offense. I think a lot of people are expecting the Jags to take a step forward in Trevor Lawrence's second year. And especially now with Doug Peterson as the head coach instead of Urban Meyer. Marvin Jones finished as the wide receiver 34 last year in 17 games, uh, scored 180 total points in full PPR. I don't think that his ceiling is you know, enormous or anything, but I think his ceiling is good enough in this range for him to be ahead of guys like Van Jefferson and Jalen Tolbert and you know, Devontae Parker, guys that he's getting drafted behind right now, I think that the floor could be pretty solid with with Marvin Jones as well. So I I like Marvin Jones a ton this year, and he's very, very cheap. And ultimately, I just think he's a solid NFL wide receiver, and he's been a pretty kind of consistent touchdown scorer throughout his career as well. Yeah. Also, it's his 11th year in the NFL, and he wears number 11. Hmm. Does that do anything for you? I mean... Also, the Jags have a bye on week 11. Oh, 
numerology. So the stars are aligning. The stars are absolutely aligning for him to have 111 targets yeah, and 11 I mean, touchdowns. He had 120 targets last year in his first year only 73 catches you know if that number goes down whatever I still think he's probably a hundred plus target wide receiver in that offense uh just because I think there's enough opportunity to go around and you know like I said he's been a solid touchdown scorer throughout his career nine touchdowns in three out of his last five NFL seasons I really do like Marvin Jones at wide receiver 71. Yep, for sure. A guy that I haven't really talked about at all this offseason, but I've been drafting a ton of is KJ Osborne. You know, I feel like for a guy entering his third year that's been productive in an offense, we expect to take a step forward with a higher pass rate this year. He's just not really getting talked about at all. Obviously, you know, the way that we envision things playing out is that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are the main two target hogs there. But Adam Thielen is 32 years old. When he did miss time last year, KJ Osborne was extremely productive. He was the wide receiver 14 in points per game from weeks 13 through 17 when Adam Thielen missed time. And that was all still while Justin Jefferson was averaging over 20 points per game during that stretch. So it wasn't like, you know, things were just variancing their ways to KJ Osborne like Justin Jefferson was still getting his and KJ Osborne found the room to be productive in that team so we think they're going to pass more we also know that you know Kevin O'Connell was rolling out an offense in LA that played the most uh, 11 personnel in the entire league so we could see more three wide sets and I think KJ Osborne is locked in at minimum as the wide receiver three on this team and if there's any sort of decline with Adam Thielen which is well within the range for me then he's absolutely smashing his ADP this season. Yeah, KJ Osborne is going as the wide receiver 67 on underdog, and I think he's a total smash there. Obviously, the concern is, you know, the competition ahead of him. Like, he's probably fourth on the team just in terms of potential touches and opportunity. But like you said, it's well within the range that Adam Thielen turns to dust or starts to turn into dust and you know he's missed time with injuries and Osborne was pretty good last year kind of ran hot on touchdowns seven touchdowns in 50 catches so you know he did he did kind of run hot in that department but I, I still think that he showed the Vikings last season that he could play and he deserves to be out there especially if they run more you know pass heavy sets more three wide receiver sets he's still going to be out there quite a bit he'll probably have like a 65 or 70 percent snap share and you know I think that would be good enough to uh to get him there in fantasy and beat this ADP yep and in general I just want to be higher on the Vikings offense this year all right who is a wide receiver that you just flat out won't draft this year like a guy that you have zero percent exposure to yeah I mean we both have the same players (laughs) players <laughs> yeah we're we're in line with the two that we are not drafting or I'm never drafting these two players and that's Rondale Moore and McCole Hardman and they're going you know right next to each other in drafts pretty much uh Rondale Moore is the wide receiver 55 McCole Hardman is the wide receiver 57 on underdog in my rankings I have Hardman as the wide receiver 62 and I have Rondale Moore as the wide receiver 68 I'm right there with you got Mecole 63 Rondale 68 yeah I think that with Rondale Moore specifically he would just need to be an outlier to 
be a productive NFL wide receiver with his prospect profile. And unless they find, you know, more creative ways to get him the ball, he's just not going to be a player that will give you many spike weeks. And I know he had that good game last season. But other than that, he was horrible. His yards per reception was like one yard. It was the stone lowest in the entire NFL. Yeah. Like I said, he he just needs to be an outlier for him to work out in the NFL. And I don't want to bet on outliers. So I think maybe I have like one share of Rondell Moore with a Kyler stack, but I'm not high on Rondell at all. And with McCole Hartman, obviously he's attached to Patrick Mahomes and he's gotten propped up like over the last few years and I've kind of faded him and it's worked out. And, you know, he's like the cheapest Chiefs wide receiver right now which makes it kind of interesting just because the three other guys are going above him but I just think he's bad at football like like it, this isn't stat based or anything I just think McCole Hardman is bad at the game of football I think he does have that ceiling that you want out of you know a guy in this range just because of like his blazing speed and you know his ability to just break a touchdown at any given moment but I think at the end of the day he's just not going to play a ton and I don't think he's going to get the ball a ton I just think he's not that great at the game of football so that's kind of the reason why I'm fading Hardman although like the the stats and opportunity and ADP might say otherwise yeah I mean I think that you know from a a theory perspective it's okay to take shots on Miko Hardman definitely a lot more than Rondale Moore just because you can see scenarios where he is playing a lot and running routes for the Chiefs but I just don't believe that if the Chiefs like have their way Miko Hardman will be a major factor for the team I don't think they want that I think that they envision you know in a perfect world their three wide set being Sky Moore Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS with Miko playing you know the wide receiver four role, gadget role, come in for occasional uh, breathers for the other guys. But I just don't think that they have seen what they wanted to out of Miko Hardman. Obviously, they brought in a lot of competition for him. And yeah, I'm good on that. And with Rondale Moore, it's like maybe he has some level of production for the first six weeks of the season when DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. And, you know, outside of Hollywood Brown, it's really going to be like Zach Ertz and, and AJ Green as target competition. But, you know, as the season goes on and, you know, maybe Trey McBride gets a little bit more comfortable in the offense and DeAndre Hopkins returns, I just don't see the targets, especially for a player who you know had just like i said the league worst a dot uh in the season last year so don't see the upside there and these guys are you know going around wide receiver 55 57 on underdog that's exactly the range that we were talking about earlier with the consistent players guys like crowder landry tim patrick jacoby myers and i'm taking those guys 10 out of 10 times ahead of these these two players Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so that that's that now let's close things out with your favorite ideal mid-range wide receiver to target so you know you've got your your core you know your first wide receiver fours fives and and you're looking to get that solid piece who's a guy that you keep coming back to over and over again yeah I mean I've talked about him a ton so I don't want to get too into it on this but Kenny Galladay Mm -hmm. is just the guy that I draft so much of in this range uh just because i think the floor is going to be a little bit higher uh this year with the upgrade in coaching and the upgrade in just the overall offense and i think his ceiling is still sky high he's still one of the best contested catch players in the league he's built to score touchdowns and if daniel jones and brian dable can get this offense humming this season 
I think Kenny Galladay is getting drafted way too low in my opinion so he's just the guy that I draft a ton if you want to hear you know more stats and more reasoning there's a YouTube video on the DFS Dose YouTube channel which you can go and watch it's like six minutes where I break down the whole Kenny Galladay situation and why I think uh, he's due for it for a nice bounce back season yep love that little cross promotion good video as well and you convinced me i'm all in on kenny galladay for this season as well for me the guy that i'm way higher than consensus on in this range and i feel like is going to become one of my highest owned players when it's all said and done is joshua palmer and and to me i there's like no better wide receiver five that you can roster this season he's cheap going as the wide receiver 65 on underdog i have him ranked all the way up at 53 and we've talked at length about you know the general reasons why we love the chargers offense justin herbert is the vegas favorite to lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns and i think palmer is entrenched right now as the wide receiver three on this offense he was a part-time player for the majority of last year but in the three games that he saw over a 60 percent snap share he was getting targeted a ton average seven targets per game during that stretch I think that he has standalone value and I think that he serves sort of as dual insurance for either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen if either of them were to miss time I think he becomes a full-time player and he was efficient at scoring as well he had five end zone targets that he converted into three touchdowns I think he's going to be a reliable option for Justin Herbert this year as they sort of transition Jalen Guyton into being like a strict uh, sort of rotational player, deep threat, and Josh Palmer sort of, uh, you know, becomes the official wide receiver three for one of the most exciting offenses in football. No, I I definitely love Josh Palmer for sure. Obviously, you have kind of like the three main guys on that offense and Keenan, Mike Williams, and Eckler that are going to take up a majority of the opportunity, but I think there still will be opportunity left over for Josh Palmer to have some spike weeks. Obviously, in terms of hitting the top of his range, it will definitely take an injury to one of the top two guys in that wide receiver core, uh, but that's definitely well within the range. And Jalen Guyton, I, I think, should be drafted. He's not being drafted like at all in best ball. But oh, I, I still he, he is by me. Let me tell you, there's not a there's not a Charger that's not being drafted by me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jalen Guyton is a very solid 18th to 20th round pick. Just because I I, I personally still believe that Guyton is going to play just because of the element that he brings mm-hmm. to the field uh, in terms of his speed and, and stretching the field out. So I think it's going to be kind of more of a share for that wide receiver three spot, but I still think Josh Palmer is a better talent at the position and should you know see more opportunity and more snaps than Jalen Guyton. But let, let's not uh, talk down on Jalen Guyton. He, he's yeah. pretty solid for his role and, and what he brings to that team. No doubt about it. I think he's a great pick. I think that he's going to give you at least two or three spike weeks, which is more than you can say about, you know, a lot of players that are going in that undrafted range. He's one of my favorite guys that I've been mixing in lately at the end of drafts. And and you know what? You're probably right. Like him and Palmer will, I think, split a lot. But I think that Guyton's role is sort of set as what it is being strictly that deep threat guy like Mike Williams misses time nothing really changes I think for guy and I think it's Palmer who gets the major boost so that's why yeah. I like him uh, as a mid-range pick but yeah definitely taking shots on Guyton as well yeah I mean whenever I 
I uh, think of Jalen Guy, and it's just that that one play where Justin Herbert threw the ball like 70 yards. Hell yeah. And, and Jalen Guyton caught the touchdown yep. against the Giants. Uh, and, and that's kind of just the element that Jalen Guyton brings is, you know, he if he's going to be deep down the field, Herbert can still get him the ball uh, <laughs> no matter how far away he is. And like you said, he's going to have two to three spike weeks, like guaranteed. I, I'd put I'd put my life on it that Jalen Guyton has two 20-plus point games this year. Yep, no doubt about it and that is going to be it for episode 234 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you guys follow us on twitter at the dfs dose as well as our personal twitters i'm at ben hover joey's at joey carrion dfs if you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast and join the inner circle you can do so via the free link to join our discord channel that is in the show notes to the podcast we will be back on monday with our tight end rankings show to everybody listening out there we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic